So recently, I've been reading this book titled Flowers for Algernon. It's a phenomenal novel. The themes explore psychology, intelligence, and emotional intelligence, or really like the nature of our emotionality. It's as if our emotions are their own separate entity, separate from the rest of the mind-body interactions. However, they serve as a driving force for those interactions. The emotions serve as the driving force for how we understand knowledge and wisdom that we acquire, as well as the driving force for how our physical body interacts with the worlds around us. Emotions are synonymous or rooted in the subconscious mind. I would like to say that emotions are synonymous with the subconscious mind and astrology kind of backs this up with the moon sign ruling the subconscious but also ruling your emotions but um getting back to the book the main character is called charlie gordon he is intellectually disabled at birth however through an operation he has his intelligence increased almost two to three times past the average or even a more than average individual we read his fictitious memoirs to understand his experience through his lens of perception. So far, it is easy to deduce that although Charlie's intelligence has increased, intelligence is merely functionality. This means that your level of intelligence honestly goes to show how well you can operate in the real world. So with him being born intellectually disabled, he had very low intelligence or a very low IQ. This book is like really old, so they still talk about IQs and things of that nature. Um, and so he wasn't able to function in society. However, with him having his intelligence increased, um, like he got promoted at his job and he was coming up with new ideas and, you know, like he was able to function better in the real world or in this quote unquote real world. So yes, although Charlie's intelligence has increased, intelligence is merely functionality. And a level of emotional intelligence is needed to balance out the left and the right brain. The operation did not inherently make him aware of his childhood traumas. However, the work he does with the scientists in the operation that like helped him with the operation, they taught him about free association and dream analysis, which helped him to dive deeper and make the connections to why he may feel anxious at certain times and why he is unable to properly express himself, although his IQ is now like way above average. So throughout the novel, um, as Charlie's intelligence increases, we see instances where he's having a conversation with someone and he feels all these things and he wants to say all these things and he doesn't. Or when he does, the way that he reacts is kind of explosive and kind of like doesn't really make sense for somebody who is, um, he's 32 years old in the book and um, has the IQ or the level of intelligence that he does. But like I said, a level of emotional intelligence is needed as well. Charlie was chastised, abused, and reprimanded for not being normal. And once his mother has another child who is not intellectually disabled, she took her love away from him. She wanted nothing to do with him. 
So now we're going back to Charlie's childhood to make to make sense of why, like, you know, we, we did this operation. He's intelligent. He's even more intelligent than the scientist that helped him with the operation. However, you know, emotionally, his intelligence is not adding up. Well, because of his youth, he was abused. He grows up emotionally stunted. His inner child becomes suppressed and is neglected. And through this operation, it becomes more apparent that intelligence cannot and does not fix lack of nurturance. The complications that arise in childhood must be addressed at some point in one's life or whether you are conscious of it or not, they will begin to spill out in other areas of your life. You will be fragmented or living life fragmented until you start to put the pieces back together. It's kind of like if you break a vase, right? And you broke it like to the point where, okay, I could still fix this. But you decide, well, let me glue this back together. You understanding the issues or the problems that arise in your childhood is that glue, you know? It's thick and it's putting all the pieces of you back together. Everything in your childhood that didn't nurture you, that didn't nurture your inner child, that left you feeling neglected, that left you feeling emotionally stunted or like you weren't loved, you weren't accepted, you weren't worthy. All these all these instances left us feeling fragmented. So when I was seven years old and this happened to me and my parents beat me or whatever, now I'm 13 years old and this big instance happened and you know my parents beat me again or whatever, at each point in my life when these things happened, I was fragmented. I kind of, like a piece of me broke off. It's not gone. It's maybe suppressed or neglected, lying deep in my subconscious mind. But until I do the work, until I acquire the level of emotional intelligence necessary to start to put the pieces back together then I'm left fragmented and I have a piece of me here and I have a piece of me there and I have a piece of me over there and I'm not operating from a place of wholeness. Had Charlie got the proper emotional nourishment throughout his childhood, he may have very well grew out of his intellectual disabilities and he may have even acquired enough intelligence to function as a quote-unquote normal adult. This is true for everyone, whether we are intellectually disabled or not. Had our parents listened when we wanted to tell them what happened at school, instead of being too tired or too busy to hear it? Had they shown us love instead of anger when we made a mistake or answered something incorrectly? Had our parents been there to show us and to give us the proper emotional nourishment throughout our childhood? And it's not to say that they didn't do this for us at all, you know. And it's not to say that, um, like, we're not faulting our parents here either. The way that society is set up and the way that, you know, karma and everything set up, you know, some of our parents were single mothers. So they had to work all day to provide for two, three children. And then by the time they come home, they're tired. They don't have time to emotionally be there for their kids. They don't have that space or that capacity even if they wanted to do it 
they might very well lash out at their child because of something that happened at work today or whatever, and they never had the time to sit and process that. And when they have to worry about getting home, making sure everything's this and everything's that, and whatever the case may be. But had, you know, we all got the proper nourishment and nurturance throughout our childhood, we would not have as many emotionally stunted adults walking among us today. This topic is um, extremely multi-layered and there's so many things that I want to get into, but I feel like I might just have, I guess, a couple different episodes referring to the inner child and um, I guess emotional neglect throughout childhood and how we can remedy that part of ourselves and how we can heal that part of ourselves. Because like I said, if it wasn't for what we went through in childhood, we wouldn't have so many emotionally stunted adults walking among us. We wouldn't have a society that doesn't nurture each other, or we would we would have more communities that would take care of each other, that would be built on rest. But everything is so systemic. Everything is so rigid. Everything is completely opposite of like nourishment. Everything's cold. The way that we interact with each other is cold. There's really no love, even amongst our families. And this is something I wrote earlier this week. We are being neglected on a systemic level. And this trickles down into our relationships. The system does not nurture rest. It doesn't nurture care. It doesn't nurture getting to know oneself, getting to deal with one's inner child, working through your emotional traumas and things like that. And so our relationships are a reflection of this system. Our relationships don't nurture getting to know your inner child, getting to get over your emotional traumas. So I'm talking to somebody about what I'm doing in the shadow work and stuff like that, but they, they're not able to hear me or to reach me because they've never, all they know is go to work, go to school. That was not implemented in their programming at all. But continuing on, Charlie's memory served as the catalyst for subconscious reprogramming. This happens to all of us, but we block out memories through food, television, Netflix, excessive use of our phones, etc., etc. Some memories are blocked by our subconscious naturally until we are ready to... We're ready to clear out our soda bodies and um, do the karmic clearing necessary to integrate that part of ourselves. So oftentimes it's like you can't remember something just because your mind is honestly trying to protect you in a way. But I feel like as we get older, we consciously block out certain memories because they are emotionally painful to deal with. And this is a conscious doing, but it's still unconscious at the same time. Oh, I know I shouldn't eat that. Oh, I know when I smoke weed, it I don't really remember things too well. Or when I take this pill or when I go out and I drink, my memory is not too good. And we continue to do those actions over and over and over again. So you've been drinking since you was 13, 14 years old. Now, all your memories prior to that or since you were 13, 14, you're now in your early 20s or your late 20s, and you don't have no memory of your childhood. You don't have memory. Like, you see old pictures and you don't really understand what's going on or what happened because you consciously blocked that out. Whatever happened in your childhood, you didn't want to deal with it. 
you contracted with spirits like alcohol, like marijuana and whatever else, because you didn't want to do the inner work to deal with that part of yourself. The emotional neglect that you experienced in childhood, um, whatever pain, whatever shame, guilt, embarrassment that nobody ever taught you how to deal with and that, you know, quite honestly, that you didn't want to deal with, you dealt with it by drinking, you dealt with it by doing drugs, by having sex, by doing all these things, and these things have blocked out your memory. Not saying that having sex would do that, but alcohol and certain foods and stuff like that. I know some people are emotional eaters, and if you're eating a lot of processed foods and things, they contribute to onset Alzheimer's. Onset Alzheimer's doesn't start when you're in your 60s and stuff like that. You have to gradually have been losing your memory this whole time. You know what I mean? And so once we start making lifestyle changes and decide um, that, you know, we want to get in touch with our inner selves, that we want to do the inner work, our memories can serve as a catalyst for that subconscious reprogramming. So um, just alluding to the book, a lot of times Charlie will approach a situation and this happens to all of us as well. Something happens and we get really anxious and we're not sure why. And in the book, What'll happen is because I guess his intelligence is increased or whatever, um, he'll sit with himself or like in whatever moment where he's feeling anxious or all these feelings are arising, he can't make sense of it. If it's not right then, then later on when he gets home and he writes in his journal or whatever, um, he'll start to recollect the memories. And then he works with techniques like free association to kind of draw the memory out of his subconscious mind. It's like he's slowly seeing it and um, the picture is becoming clear. But the more that he does the free association techniques, the more that he sits with himself, that he's present in the moment. For us, we can kind of relate that to like if we're just meditating or if we're sitting and we're doing, you know, deep breathing and we're really focused on the moment. And it's like, okay, this memory just came back to mind. I can't see it clearly, but I want to know why. And we sit. And we take it all in. And a lot of times when that happens in waking life, what do we do? We pull out our phones. We get on Instagram. When somebody, we're in a room with all of our friends and someone just said something that reminded you of when you was 13 years old or 14 years old and just launched you back to that timeline. When you and your partner are arguing and he starts to remind you of your father and he just launched you back to that timeline. We do the same thing that we did in our childhood. We close our eyes. We lock ourselves in the room. We try and hide and try and run from that moment. When we were children, we didn't know what we were doing, but that moment was only lodging itself deeper into our psyche, deeper into our subconscious mind. Now, if our parents were there for us to help us emotionally, they will work us through that moment so it wouldn't get buried into our subconscious mind. Or if we had the knowledge from like as a youth or whatever, as a child or, you know, in our teenage years, we would sit with the moment and not try and just hide and cower and sleep it off and smoke it off and, you know, go on our phones and try and ignore it. We would just sit there and be present with it because that's how we process it. That's how we release it. And when you sit with those moments, when you sit with those memories and you process them and you're breathing and you're writing and you're crying and you're shaking or whatever, and you're trying to release the anger and all the emotions that come up with it, the fear, the shame, the guilt, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. 
we're subconsciously reprogramming ourselves on all timelines. So that version of you, when you were 7 years old or 13 years old or 14, 15, whatever, it exists on another timeline. And by you at 25, 23, 24, 29, you taking the moment to sit there with that memory is healing that part of you on that timeline. This is all happening simultaneously because past, present, future is all one. It's all one timeline. It's all happening at the same time. And for the simple fact that you can sit for a second and pull up that memory from however old you were, lets you know that it exists right now. Like, because I'm in this present moment, this memory is in the past, but I'm experiencing it right now through my mind. So not to get too caught up in that topic, but this serves as a subconscious reprogramming. And like I said in that example earlier, it is the glue that is putting the fragmented pieces of you back together. This sitting and being present and breathing is only one of many techniques in which you can, you know, move yourself from a fragmented state to a state of wholeness. There's, like I said, this topic is so multi-layered and there's so many different ways in which you can access these different timelines and these different versions of yourselves to give yourself the proper healing. But I feel like this is elementary enough. This is elementary enough for, for you to see like which parts of you need healing and which parts of your inner child were neglected and how you've been emotionally stunted or how you've been operating from an emotionally stunted place in your life. Because like I said as well, this spills out into all of your relationships. So when you're arguing with your partner or you're arguing with your mom or you're arguing with um, whoever on the side of the street, it's really because you're trying to reclaim a part of yourself. You're trying to speak up. You're trying to um, be heard. You're trying to just stand up for yourself. There's there's so many reasons why you could be doing it. But in that moment, it's like you're not even arguing with the actual person, but they're getting all this energy from you because there's a part of you that you haven't dealt with yet. And what do our parents or society says? Once you're 18 years old, you're an adult. You can deal with yourself and you can take care of yourself and blah, blah, blah. And whatever else they say what you really should be doing once you become conscious of the world, once you're 18, right? Or once you're 21, however old, once you become conscious enough of the world and yourself, this is the work that you should be doing. You should be taking accountability for yourself, your actions, for the arguments that you have, for the ways in which um, you become over-emotional and start crying and you just don't want to deal with people. And you, you have to become accountable for all of those reasons and Start to peel back the layers why. Start to dig deep into yourself, study yourself, and figure out why you do this. Why do you react this way? Why is it hard for you to open up to people? You know, why do you get frustrated so easily? And, you know, just all the different things that I feel like take a hold of us. Like I said, our emotions are the driving force behind our mind-body interactions. So a lot of times we might do something and it's so spontaneous and it doesn't make sense and we're kind of upset at ourselves, but it's that part of ourselves that has been neglected for so long that's acting out. And we can recognize it and we're watching it like it's a separate entity, but 
what our goal should be is to integrate it, to move in unison with it, like a dance, you feel me? But um, the book, again, is titled Flowers for Algernon. It's by Daniel Keyes. It's it's really good, and I feel like all of us have read excerpts of it in... Um, I know, I think it was maybe high school or middle school where I read an excerpt of it, but I decided I just got back into reading. This is like my fifth or sixth book so far this year, and I wanted to read that in full. And I'm just seeing the parallels like with the psycho-spiritual aspects of it. And I'm not even, like I think I'm like halfway through now, but I just, all these revelations and these insights came over me today and I wanted to share because I felt like that was a perfect illusion as to understanding the inner child and, you know, how the inner child can be emotionally stunted, how, um, you know, you might be 32 years old and be super intelligent, but you're still operating like a child. And we have a lot <laughs> of people walking like that amongst the world, CEOs and all these big names and celebrities and this and that. They're great people and they did great things or whatever y'all think, but until that part of you is healed, you're going to be fragmented. You're not going to be whole. You're not going to be operating from a place of authenticity because you're forever going to be trying to soothe that part of yourself. And I know for me, for example, me trying to soothe that part of myself was through getting attention that I really didn't want or that I didn't need. And so I was doing things for attention. I wasn't excessive, but I'm smoking. I'm like, hey, look at me. I smoke a lot of weed. Hey, look at me. I do this. Hey, look at me. I do that. Like, because I just wanted the attention I never got in my childhood. And through, like, I just started inner child work and shadow work maybe within the last year. But I have, like, no social media. I don't need attention anymore. I praise myself. I give myself all the attention that I need, you know, and it's gradual. I Like I said, I just started inner child work last year and it wasn't until um, actually two years ago. We're in 2022, right? But it wasn't until so I started November 2020 and it wasn't until November 2021 when I like completely deleted my Instagram. So um, I hope the book reference and the examples I gave served as a good analogy or parallel to help you kind of understand and to begin to start working with this side of yourself. Because if everyone can just even dabble in inner child healing, we would live a totally different life in a totally different world. And if you plan on having children, I feel like this is extremely important for you to understand for yourself. Because if you don't heal your inner child, if you don't, you know, reclaim your birthrights, you're naturally going to want to traumatize the child and take away their birthrights and corrupt their inner child. Not it comes natural to us. Our parents did it to us because they didn't know any better, you know? Their parents did it to them and the cycle continued. But I'm here for breaking cycles. So